time jumps. We're jumping into the future where we get to see everyone with spray paint gray hair or uh, goatees to show the time has passed. It's really nice to see that we get to see everybody on Enterprise, what they're up to, how are 12 years late? Oh, wait a minute. Mayweather's dead. I um, I actually of did, all the people, I didn't, does he does he die off screen in this? No, or? nope, no. He's uh, in that first opening sequence when they are. I Un- think it's the first opening under sequence under attack when, they the, when they're chasing the Zindi to Earth. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets blown up at his station, and they even do that thing where they like turn his head towards <laughs> yeah. camera to show that it's him. Yeah. And you just, I mean, they just got to get him, get him out. Was he like difficult to work with or something? They keep killing him or breaking his leg off screen. He's got nothing to do. Even Hoshi, Hoshi survives and she just has like two lines. Yeah. She disappeared. But Mayweather just can't catch a friggin' break, man. I honestly didn't realize until the episode was over that he was not in it. Uh, Like, and then then I spent it going... I wonder if he was one of the victims of after the time jump to Paul had a line that I missed where it's like he died of syphilis or something, you know, and it's like catching everyone up. But no, now that you say that, I do remember the one crewman who dies in the Zindi opening. I don't remember it being him, but I do remember there being Mm -hmm. a crewman who dies and it must have been, must have been. And they, they don't even do that thing where like, well, where uh, Archer gets back to the bridge and looks around to see that everybody's still alive. And Mayweather's like, hey, guys, they don't even do that. He's yep. just gone for the rest of the episode. Well, we're going to do some more time jumps. We're up to Twilight. It's the latest episode of Star Trek Enterprise. So let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we'll break it down. When the anomaly hit, I urged you to leave me behind. If you had, it's likely I'd be the one suffering from this condition. Fortunately, I don't take orders from you. Captain... I never expressed my gratitude for what you did. I suppose there's not much point in thanking me. A few hours from now, I won't remember it. Twilight is the eighth episode of the third season. came out on the 5th of November, 2003. It is 9 out of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc, written by Mike Sussman, directed by Robert Duncan McNeil of Voyager fame. Is that that just the entire third season? 9 of 28? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, plus a few, plus the first one. Hangovers. Yeah, the, the season finale season. Yeah. from season two, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> In-universe date, specifically not known, but it's 2153, 2154, 2155, 2156, and 2165. Maybe the most years in a single Star Trek episode. In this episode, the effect of a Delphic Expanse anomaly leaves Archer unable to form any new long-term memories. Twelve years later, he wakes up one morning and is stunned to learn the outcome of the human Zindi conflict, including the loss of Earth and the near annihilation of the human race. First things first, this is a very minor point, Clay, but mm. I was inordinately, disproportionately relieved when Archer, about 38 minutes into the episode, <clears throat> asked to Paul, have you been telling me the same story every single day? Yes, yes. <laughs> Because I was, I was extremely distracted At, right from the first conversation they were having. I was like, "Did she tell him this literally every single day?" And I, I had to assume it was like maybe it 
clicks every couple days or every week or something. But it seems like every Otherwise, time he wakes up, every time yeah. he goes to bed, he wakes up. And I think I think Flocks or someone says you have like a seven hour memory limit capacity or something. So it's like it's it's frequent. And I I really would have appreciated the show putting that in his first question to her. Be like, do you tell me this every single day? And she right. goes, yeah, I do. And it's not that it doesn't make sense because I think T'Pol is the character who's right to do that. Like it would be like a data type role where data doing mm-hmm. it every single day would not really strike you as a weird, annoying thing. And, and uh, T'Pol just being as a Vulcan, I guess, is understandable. But you think she would have come up with a crib sheets version of like, here's a book I wrote. Why don't you read this book about what exactly has happened to you? But it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. That, that, that's a very small thing, but I was extremely relieved when they finally had Archer voice, uh, voice that concern to her. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it would have been fun if they had him click back like f- 10 minutes before the end, like at a, at a high point of stress or something. So it's like things are starting to go wrong. The ship's getting attacked. Oh, and now Archer has forgotten everything right, again. Yeah, right. <laughs> which actually, which actually would have been kind of fun. I mean, obviously, it, it kind of undercuts everything else, all the things that he learned. But it would have been kind of fun if, because then he clicks back twelve years, and now he's just Captain Archer again. Right. So he could, you know, taking command on the ship. He's running around, going, "Why does everybody look old?" Yeah. Yeah. I'm not old. I'm just regular Captain Archer. Um, I don't know where to start with this one. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, this is it's a it's a it's a time jump life-changing episode, which Star Trek mm-hmm. has done many times before in The Visitor, The Inner Light. I think the show has a very strong, or the series has a very strong batting average of these episodes. I feel like it's mm-hmm. a concept that is designed for good character work and kind of shows you... These episodes always seem to, to me to be the most like emotionally touching and like a lot of them are very strong with emotional connections between like what people learn about the journey or how things <laughs> change for them. I don't know what I feel about Twilight. I don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like this episode. Really, I think this has some serious problems to it. But what do, what do you think? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. I mean, it's. I feel like it's um, the rite of passage for a Star Trek series to do an episode like this. Yep. Uh, and th- they hadn't really done one on this show, and I thought they found in a fun way to do the same thing they've been doing. On every other show, this is an identical to those episodes you're talking about. It's just the method they do it is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Zindi were more convincingly uh, dangerous in this than they have been up to this point. So maybe that's that's worth something. Yeah, because uh, you actually see them in action, and they actually, you know, you're not bound by making sure that nothing changes the next episode so the Zindi can just show up and kill everybody. Yeah, yeah. They accomplish their uh, goal in this. They blow up the yeah. earth. In yeah, probably big time. A much, better, a much better attack sequence than the uh, the first time they did it where it looked like just a CG energy beam shooting through Florida or whatever. This one actually looked yeah, it's a pretty good sequence, actually. A pretty good cold open, all things considered. Yeah. Until until the rest of the planet started to crack and explode. Yeah, then when it, they that always looks the terrible. Earth. Well, I was going to say, until that happened, when they blasted the Earth and they hit the ocean again, I was like, geez, these guys are just terrible shots. Yeah. <laughs> they keep aiming for nothing. I mean, apologies <laughs> to Florida. but something, something about the cracking of the planet never looks right. Like, up until that mm-hmm. point, everything seems okay, but that doesn't, for all my experience of it's, watching Earth explode. It's a, it's a weird thing to visualize, yeah. right? Because it's like, do you do it quickly? Do you do it slowly? Uh, my favorite is... Um, 
in the old Superman cartoon from the 40s when they run through Superman's history. You know, they show you this planet of the, they show you Krypton and the, the voiceover says, and that's when Krypton exploded and it just goes, Pah! it yeah. just like explodes <laughs> in a second, like a, like a cherry bomb. Yeah. yeah. Um, or there's the, uh, or you, you've got the special edition Star Wars Death Star explosion where yeah. it's like five interlocking rings of energy blasting out of the middle of this, uh, you know, epicenter. So Star Trek it's, does it suns every once in a while. Like I was going to say, is there a supercut out there somewhere of planet destruction sequences from science fiction movies over the years? Yeah, I bet, to, I bet it would be pretty fun. Yeah, it would be. A, it would be a good um, game to guess which ones which yes, if you can yeah. easily identify it. Um, all right, so we might have somewhat different opinions about this one. I am um, compared to the other Star Trek time jumping episodes. I was. I'm. I'm left wondering if I and being unfair to the show mm-hmm. if I don't think that the cast and characters are as good as previous shows or if Enterprise can't... Enterprise's construction in the way that it's produced prevents you from having a good episode out of this, mm. of my concerns. And I don't know what it is. I, I don't think I'm being unfair to the show because... I think we're judging these the same as we have every other show. I I think that the show can't do episodes like this because episodes like this shouldn't have an end sequence of 10 minutes of action because it kills me. Like I, I, like I feel, I guess I'll just go with this and we, this is a better way to start it. I feel for what this episode is, Archer has almost no influence on anything in here. And like down to your thing about like, there's no moment where Archer's at a comm station. He's like, I can't remember what, what I'm supposed to do. He, his mind wipe is really just the plot device that allows the time travel sequence to happen. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I just think that's really not good. That's not a good decision. That's like the visitor not being about Jake Sisko or something. It's like Jake Sisko's just there to push a button or something. I was really let down by the Archer stuff. And I feel like to Paul is a secondary character that almost takes the main role away from him, but then it's all undercut anyway by enterprises. It's 10 minutes of Zindi attacking the ship and he's got to flick the switch, which he does after getting shot more times than anyone else in the ship does. And he still manages to to get it done. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, that 10 minutes on a 40 minute episodes is vital to get to the core of what you think this time jump is supposed to say about the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think they just waste all that energy and time. Well, yeah, I think the problem is, is that unlike those other episodes, this is not about anything. This is just... A what-if universe. A what-if, yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that stops it from being about anything is... Uh, the fact that nobody remembers anything that happened because that's the, I don't, does anybody, uh, does anybody remember anything that happens in the visitor? Cisco remembers. Cisco remembers. Okay. So generally when they do a story like this, there's one person who remembers, if not everything, a little bit of what happened, I think is in the cause and effect. I think data starts to remember and he remembers the, the code. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. That's even less of an, a character. That's more of like the hard, sci- hard sci-fi right. version of it right. where it's not really about it. But like the inner light is Picard remembers his entire lifetime spent in mm-hmm. that memory. Uh, the visitor is Cisco remembers his lifetime of Jake and what Jake sacrificed for himself. Um, Yesterday's Enterprise, Guinan remembers, yeah. I think. Yeah. I yeah. Think Guinan, Guinan, Guinan has the a sense future. of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's the problem with this kind of story. If you don't have anybody remember what happened, unless you're really going out of your way to to do some interesting character work, then it doesn't nothing matters. Mm-hmm. And this one is told essentially in flashback through to Paul, who's just giving you flashback plot information. Archer's not learning anything about himself. To Paul's the only the closest thing you get is that to Paul apparently maybe has been sleeping with him. Are they married? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They never get specific with it. And uh, uh, my girlfriend said, so has she been sleeping with him because she knows he's not going to remember it? Yeah, yeah. I I, like, I, it's possible. I wasn't sure if they were married. I, I think I think Flocks or something has a line about like, that implied to me that they were married, but she she never opens it with, it's me, your wife, to Paul or anything right. like well, that. Yeah. See, yeah, because there's, there's no... Like there's no point in them getting married. I think the idea. I think I don't think they can be married. I think it's she's just if, a caretaker character if for it, him. If if they were to get married, it would be about as as effective or legally binding as when Triple H kidnapped Stephanie McMahon and they got married yeah. in Las Vegas while she was knocked out. <laughs> um, you know, so like because because he doesn't remember it, and she, what's the point if 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 she, uh, he doesn't remember it? So you think this episode is because that's all I really had going for it. So you think the episode mm-hmm. is not about a possible love dimension for these two it's about to paul just feels bound to care for him after what he did for her well i think it's about a possible love dimension but they only kind of hint at it because yeah uh flox says are you going to tell him about the way you feel about him yep and that i'm assuming means she's either done it before and it doesn't matter because he right, mementos he, he out forgets, of it yeah or she's just never de- no because i think he because she says like how can you tell and he's like well you know i, I can smell romance or whatever yeah. <laughs> like so i don't even think <laughs> it's Denobulan, like a known Denobulan. yeah i don't think it's even a known quantity that she's in love with him or whatever they just kind of imply it and at that point if they, they don't do anything with it so who gives a shit that's that's that makes it even worse to me yeah I yeah I I really think this comes back to Archer. Like what this episode is to me is Memento, the Nolan film, right? And mm-hmm. that was about what's possible and what it means to be a person who has the memory loss function. Mm-hmm. And I think it really does a disservice to have Archer Archer's memory loss not be more focal to what's going on and only have it serve as the way that he gets the medical condition that allows them to reset time at the end of it. And Archer just feels so um, secondary in this. And like that's partly by design because his his, uh, disability has now made him not able to be the captain and things like that. But if they're not going to go into a... Like, so the way that I take your thing is that, like, after this episode is over, this implies no future for T'Pol and Archer with each other. Like, you've just wiped right. that, that future off the, off the board. Well, you mean, like, in the, in the newly reestablished past? 
in that it's not a it's not it's not a destined foregone conclusion that a romance would develop between the oh, two I of see. them. It's just that this timeline split caused this kind of closeness to develop between them mm-hmm. that no one remembers at this point. Right. And so yeah. that just seems like a, a total waste of time to me. Yeah. I yeah, I I, I mean you if you wanted to read into it that they're laying the track for this in this alternate future as something they might drive towards in this new reestablished past. Um, but only the audience would know could. about it. Yeah. yeah only the audience yeah. knows about it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you could argue that they kind of imply that by having them say those lines that they said in the future back in the, now in the, now in the future where the past is occurring. <laughs> um, but even there, it's just like it doesn't seem like much more than just kind of being cute with the time jump thing. Yeah, I, I think I have some 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 problems with it. Then I mean, sure. I, I think that the other the other thing that's very that's relatively small for this, but I think it it, it has been a kind of a running problem in Enterprise's attempt at a serialized single story through this season. I feel this is way too early for this episode. I feel that. The Zindi accomplished their goal is a late season episode that after a while of like trials and tribulations that you've had Mm -hmm. to get to that point to have an episode where the Zindi actually win it. I just I just feel it's too early in that we don't know. Maybe it's just highlighting to me how little we know about the Zindi and that their threat is really just a MacGuffin-y thing that is driving you to go find them and go on other adventures. But I, I felt that the the pathos and like the archers like no no scene would have meant something if there had been you know a few more episodes at least dealing with like getting closer and closer to this Zindi weapon and right not getting there in time or something like that and I feel that like that would have been a little bit more interesting. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean they've uh, <clears throat> they jump. What did you say? They jump like two or three years one at a time throughout this, I think. Yeah, it goes by one year for four years and then 10 years at the end. Yeah. But yeah, they they jump into a period of time where we have no reference point for it because we're not even close to that, where he's like, well, how did they how did they do X, Y, and Z? And, and T'Pol's like, well, we found where they built the weapon, but they had already launched it. It's like, oh, yeah. well, okay. But, um, there's yeah, a, lo- there's a lot of time. There's a, and then... The the journey to get to Steady Alpha Five takes like two years or something, but they just cross right, yeah. over it and then they get there. I just, I I really I think Enterprise does it a service with these time jump things where you're just supposed to because they did it getting into the expanse at the opening of the season. They're like, we've been traveling for nine months and we finally arrived here. And it's time to go. I um, I think you need to develop the time over that. Like for, for how uh. Like inner light, Picard lived a lifetime basically in that episode, but you you felt the time passing in it, mm-hmm. even though it's only a yeah. forty five minute episode. You you lived that lifetime with him. Here it just feels like they're jumping in time to get to the plot beats mm-hmm. that ultimately, to me, aren't the interesting part part of this. Like I I I, I understand the Zindi destroying the Earth is a nice backdrop for what life is like in the future. 
but all I really care about is what Archer and T'Pol and all them are doing in this future. And and the episode doesn't really touch on that kind of thing. And I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think it's tough because these jumping into the future episodes, they tend to highlight conflict between characters, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like take uh, Best of Both Worlds. You've got established at the beginning, you've got this conflict between Riker and Worf, which we jump into the future and see that they haven't talked to each other because Troy's dead and they're mad at each other. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're talking all good things. I'm sorry. You said best of both worlds. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. All good things, not best of both worlds. Um, and you, there's a little bit of implication about the relationship between Picard and Crusher, which you get to see how that plays out in the future. Yep. Doing that allows you to show essentially like a uh, Christmas Carol type thing as far as how the worst case scenario of these things can be drawn out. And especially in something like this, when you're jumped into the future and you're presented with these characters who are, who are have strayed from each other because of these uh, things that happened in the past or personal uh, uh, irreconcilable differences and stuff. Yeah. Jumping back to the past allows you the chance to fix that. It allows you the chance to remedy that situation so it's no longer this worst-case scenario. But that requires some sort of memory of what's going on. In this one, everybody's kind of fine. In the in the far pa- future, everyone's kind of fine. Yeah, in the far future, even at the at the time, from the they don't show you anything of the of the present, like in that cold open. Uh, you don't get anything. I mean, not even the cold open, but even in the history lesson that that he's getting, there's no talk of interpersonal stress or anything or anything that could be you know uh, strung out into the future as a plot point or yep. or a character point. Yep. So when you go to the future, all you all you have, all Archer has is the Zindi thing, and the fact obviously it's a big deal that Earth got destroyed, and his mission yeah. failed, but yeah. ultimately that's not the interesting part of the story. The interesting part is the characters. Yeah. So when you send him back to the enterprise and trip is fine. Uh, he's the captain now. Mm-hmm. Reed is fine. He's got a sexy new mustache. Yeah. <laughs> he grew a mustache to show the time has passed. Um, and Hoshi is, that might be my favorite interaction in the whole show. Cause he's like, Hoshi, you're still here. And she's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you know Hoshi's fine nothing yeah. wrong with Hoshi obviously everybody gets killed and stuff later but it's like there's no there's nothing to grab onto really well, outside the- of the fact that they're doing they're just showing you this stuff yeah. and like I I found it enjoyable enough for the story that they were telling but I do not disagree with you at all that this is it's just kind of like a, a what if story yeah I, I mean I I, to, to, for your point about the character stuff, the show the show is making a mistake in this episode, thinking that the Zindi killing humanity is the interesting part of this story. Like it's mm-hmm. it's jumped to the instead of what that means for everybody or what that means for humanity or things like that. It becomes just as long as they did that, and now they're hunting you down. Like it's it's not even. It's not even like the Zindi destroyed Earth and disappeared, and you're left to pick yeah. up the pieces. They're still being actively hunted by the Zindi, which adds this 
traditional enterprise action sequence that you have to have at the end. Mm -hmm. But because they're being hunted, they literally have no time for Archer and T'Pol to go, what does this mean in this future that humanity is destroyed and the Vulcans are doing whatever? And they kind of started stuff like the the so-called the Vulcan ambassador comes and has a conversation with T'Pol that... Mm -hmm barely scratches like to Paul's like maybe we should have helped humans defend themselves against this thing and he's like no I have to go and he walks out and I wanted more of the episode to be about that kind of a thing like maybe re-examine what all the decisions that led to this point of enterprise from broken bow onward what that means in a world where humanity gets wiped out by people like would the Vulcans feel different about something like that well even so but even if you did do that it doesn't matter if nobody remembers these conversations. Yeah, no one, yeah, yeah. you know, because the well, I, I the d- points, maybe I disagree. It could it could maybe flesh out those stories in a way. Like it could give okay, you a perspective sure. into the Vulcans that you maybe wouldn't have gotten. And maybe if people don't remember, but you still see a, you still see characters talking about it in a way that makes you think that <clears throat> this reality is not so dissimilar from the one that actually exists, even if people don't remember it. You know what I mean? Like them, yeah. them talking about it is an insight into what our real characters remember or think about things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tough because like pretty much every time travel story that involves you going to the future has one purpose, really. When you boil it all down, it's seeing what happens in the future so you know enough to be able to change it right yeah it's all about something that's already been written you get a chance to rewrite it that doesn't apply to this because again there's they have no idea what they could do differently in order to change anything honestly it's a huge indictment of to paul if you really want to get down to it because the only thing that changes is to paul doesn't be- become the captain no. of the ship <laughs> <laughs> apparently if T'Pol becomes captain earth gets destroyed <laughs> you know because that's the that's literally the only thing that changes yeah yeah they should they should have had an ending sequence where after T'Pol walks out of sick bay reed walks in and he's got the goatee and archer's just you know it's, it's like a, there's a little bit of a wondering where where exactly people fall i don't i don't but yeah i don't disagree with you yeah it's just it's a weird it's just a fun what if and it's 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 fun, but yeah, I do feel like it's a little lazy because it all is told through. It's basically Archer sitting on a chair being told what happened for the past 12 years. And it's like, yeah. you know, he's not learning anything from that. Uh, they try to fix it with T'Pol. And I I can see an episode. I can see this episode. And maybe there's an argument to be made that T'Pol is the central character of this one. I, I would mm-hmm. buy that if you say that this is actually a T'Pol episode that things sure. happen. Um I think I think you do learn something about T'Pol in this episode and that she is her splintering and being with the humans for so long has kind of made her emotional in a way about like what she owes people and where where she's willing to put her life and things like that uh in the future. That's okay. I just don't I don't think there's enough meat on that bone in this episode to make it interesting to me, really. It's like yeah. I I get it. I, I understand that. I don't I didn't get the sense that this was a hardship for T'Pol, that she sacrificed something. What what the fuck else is she gonna do? Be on the Enterprise? I get like there's Yeah. I, I think that's my problem with it. It's just like I I don't view it as a tragedy for T'Pol either, really. 
You know, it's a tragedy yeah. for humans because Earth got blown up and Archie can't remember anything. But maybe not a tragedy for T'Pol. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I if I could pick a way to adjust this, I feel like I feel like the thing to do, and maybe this is going too far. I don't know. Um, the thing to do with either just T'Pol or even arguably everyone else on the ship, all the the, the crew of Enterprise is to have her or everyone have a scene where she actively says the you are you are the important piece to this puzzle i've always thought that i've always believed in you blah 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 which is why you are more important than the ship we're going to do this thing we're going to hold who, them off as who is she talking to is she uh, the crew? archer sorry archer, okay we're going to hold them off the best we can, but we're doing that in service of fixing this thing in your brain on the off chance that it will send you back and not remove you from the, from the line of history the way mm-hmm. it has. That way, at the very least, you can kind of get into like nothing. You can get into the motivation of the crew, right? Where when you come back to the past and you've got Archer back in this position, now you've learned something about the other crew members because you understand how they feel about him and the fact that he they do think he's so important or the fact that T'Pol thinks he's so important. You know, like, because you could ask the question, well, why did T'Pol stay in the Enterprise? I think you could answer that question in this episode, do the exact same thing they're doing here, have nobody remember it, but what the audience now knows is they know why she stayed. Yeah. And that continues, that bolsters her character moving forward, even though nobody remembers anything that happened. I don't... I don't think I want Archer as a messiah in that way. Yeah, that's like I said, that's that's probably going too far, but I think yeah. there are things you can do to like if you yes, if you say specifically with T'Pol, you can flesh out some of her reasoning for for choices that she's made up to up to the point where we are in the series. And now and even if nobody remembers the future stuff, the audience still understands to Paul a little bit better and where she stands with Archer and where she stands on the crew and the mission and all that kind of stuff. And humanity even. Yeah. You have you could do a reverse the fuck is that episode where they go to the nineteen thirties coal mining Pennsylvania or whatever? Oh, uh, Carbon Creek. Yeah. You could do like an inverse of that sort of thing where like you're getting the story about the future which informs the past instead of a story about the past that informs the future. Yeah. Yes. I would so I guess my problem with it is that, to me, it seems like the the gimmick or con- the concept gimmick is this Archer can't make long-term memory thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that makes it a kind of unique episode. But I think it also, because his condition is so specific and requires other characters to catch him up on what's doing. It's almost done as a way for the characters to give exposition as to what has happened to him because they're like, oh, Archer can't remember anything, so this is how we're going to explain to him and the audience what's going on. I think it just, I think it wastes time on what the actual conflict is here. Like, And I would have just had, it seems much more generic and it seems much like Star Trek has already done, but if you just have Archer jump into the future for some reason, and he is then informed of everything that happened, but he doesn't have this memory loss problem that they have to keep talking about and explaining. Maybe then you have time 
or the wherewithal to get into what this actually means to these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, because as it stands now, it's just too much exposition. It's, it's just catching Archer up on things, and this is the way it is, and this is the way that this time travel gimmick is going to work in this episode, so here it is for the audience. It's just that, like, if you're going with the 9-11 analogy of what this season is supposed to be, which is that attack on Earth represents the attack on New York and D.C. and stuff on 9-11. It's another, it's this thing I had with the problem with shipment. How do you not have more to say about this at this right. point? Like, you have nothing to say. I don't understand why you have nothing to say about this. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. and I think that that's where... You can tell me if you think I'm being unfair to Enterprise, but I just feel that Enterprise has never, for as much time as we've spent with these characters, I still feel, and this episode made me feel, I don't really know them in a way that I Mm. knew the other Star Trek characters and casts at this point. Like these guys, it's your thing about Hoshi. Hey, Hoshi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, (laughs) I guess it's, Yeah. I don't know if you would agree with that. If you think it's the lacking crew, if it's just me taking out my frustration on the episode and blaming the cast or the crew or the crew or the characters rather. No, I, I would agree that it is kind of surprising that they don't have more to say about this. And I do think it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, like I said, with something like, um, all good things, you can jump into the, obviously there's seven seasons of Star Trek there, but you can jump into the future there and see, the rift between Worf and Riker and have that actually be like affecting. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's yeah. Hoshi's still hanging out. Trip's still hanging out. Reed's still hanging out because there's not, we don't really know them that much as characters who interact with each other. Well, the, so, the writers don't know what they would do. They're like, they're still on the enterprise. Except for Paul. You know, everyone is still the same person just with different facial hair. And that's, yeah. that's the difference between it. I just, if, well, I was just gonna say if if they jumped if they had him come back to the Enterprise and like Hoshi was pregnant and she's like, Oh, who's the dad? And then Trip and Reed like both look at each other. It's like that's more interesting than they've done anything else they've done in the whole show. It yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. But it's like you know, it's like like it, the implication that Hoshi and Trip and, and Reed are in like a polyamorous relationship. That's yeah. kind of fun. But <laughs> Arch is like that's Arch is the it, boomer who can't get with the times. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Zindir attacking Earth. And he's like, Are you sure you can't tell who the father is? <laughs> you know, I just don't understand your choices. Uh and I yeah, that's okay. I don't have to. No, it's but like that doesn't seem out of character because we don't really know what yeah. their relationship on the show is. We just talked about in the Exile episode, which we, we we recorded six years ago, it feels like at this point. But the the reason the Exile episode failed is because you don't know who Hoshi is. So the episode has to make right. up qualities about what Hoshi is supposed to be. Um, right. that, that's we, another thing they could have done. If they had, if he come back to the ship and said, where's Hoshi? And they're like, oh, she's living on the crab right. planet <laughs> with the crab guy. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. She felt so bad about what happened that she went to live on the crab guy and hopefully learn better telekinesis powers so she could fight the Zindir. So like, that's at least something, you know? Maybe an Instead unfair... Instead of just... Hi. Maybe an unfair question. Do you feel still that learning, you... Still learning French. Do you feel that you knew the other casts better than the Enterprise cast? I understand I'm leading you with this question a little bit because I've already said it, but would you... And it's a memory, <laughs> a vague memory thing that you've already had, but Objection. like... Objection? Do you... Is there an emptiness to the Enterprise crew? 
I guess you kind of said that um, you think that is, but it's like, is there, is there characterization outside of what you think that they do not as good as the other shows? You know, like, do they, mm-hmm. when I, when I go back, I, I feel that like DS9 did the best job of making it actually feel like it was a real group of people that were interacting mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. Enterprise kind of does that too, but it's this very surface level. It's almost like a, um, it's almost more of an office relationship than TNG. It's like they all get along, but none of them really know anything about each other. Right, right. And it just leaves me feeling with, with episodes like this of, if I walk away confused about whether or not DePaul and Archer are in love at the end of this episode, it's like, I don't think that's a win for what the episode is saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a tough, it's tough to say because I think in order to really be fair, you have to compare it to where uh, those other shows were in their third season. Yeah. Like if they did this episode on Enterprise, on uh, TNG in the third season, would you say the same thing about the TNG crew? Uh, All good things happens after seven seasons of 25 something episodes per season. It's like, 500 400 episodes or something yep um visitor season four like i i think it's possible that's to do very specific though to visitors very specific to the cisco family and less so the surrounding stuff that's true but i, I don't think i know a single enterprise character where like this episode could have been archer's visitor episode about like you you mm-hmm. get an insight into because the, the show has been telling us that this is all Archer can think about. He built that command station. He's in the command center, like looking at the screens for 27 hours a day. It's fine that the show is telling us that. I just, I've never gotten why Archer's character is this way. Besides, he yeah. just feels guilty about something. And the guilt is enough, but I, I feel like maybe it's not enough, but the guilt has to be expanded upon i think mm-hmm. for me to care about why archer is doing this and it's not good enough to just be like i have to stop this from happening i think it's possible to do although i take i take your point that it's it's semi early here this is not mm-hmm. very early we've had that's true yeah 60 I mean, episodes of star trek right, uh, enterprise right, at yeah. this point you know yeah you would think at this point you've got a solid grasp on yeah. <laughs> who these people are but uh the the enterprise version of of the visitor would be uh um, Archer and yeah, Archer <laughs> the dog. But then it turns into that episode of Futurama, and everybody gets sad. Oh, it's the um, the episode where the dog got sick too. Uh, the <clears throat> night in sick bay, and he had to chainsaw the tree oh, or right. something because it peed yes. on the the aliens' trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much else to say about Twilight. Let's go. Who who aged the best in the future? It's DePaul, clearly, right? Yeah, DePaul I mean, looks great. Yeah, well, Vulcans don't really age, so no. you know, all they did was just give her long hair. I like I, guess I like <laughs> I like Flocks, who looks like he was a uh, he's a seventies rock star icon yes. who now plays acoustic covers of his yes. own songs. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does look like you know one of one of the guys from Seals and Crofts on his cover for the 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 hot tuna album recorded at the at the barn in in Western New York. If, Northern, if, uh, if I had to rank them, I think it's DePaul, Archer, Hoshi. Trip is fine. Trip just looks the same. But then it's then it's Flocks, and I think Reed just looks ridiculous. Reed looks. <laughs> Reed's costume Reed, is absurd. Reed looks like when uh, the guy goes in 
undercover uh, has undercover surgery in Team America, and they make him look like the terrorist by just gluing those patches of like hair to his face. It's just such a it's such a thick goatee out of nowhere. You know, it's just like skin, and then it's just where they plastered this thing onto his face. And the, he, he looks well, what, terrible. It would have been great if he came in and uh, he was like, "Oh, Reed, interesting look," and he's like, "Yes." I uh, I look at myself in the mirror every day. Like I don't understand what that is, but he like looks at the camera and winks. Like, oh, it's evil, Reed. I get it. <laughs> Over yeah, Archer's I, head. Archer is like, yeah, you weren't here for this, but we uh, regular Reed is dead. That would have been amazing yeah. if it was like, oh, I'm from sorry, I'm actually Reed. Reed from the Mirror Universe, which you don't understand. Reed is dead, and I took his place after yeah. this. I helped bring down this thing called the Terran Empire. Mm. And I'm actually secretly a good guy who is now just a little bit more bad than everybody else on this ship. Yep. It doesn't make sense now. It'll make sense in about, I don't know, <laughs> 75 years. Um, yeah, uh, Archer gets a terrible haircut. Yeah. I mean, he get like they just plop this thing, this gray mushroom thing on top of his head. Yep. Tripp's haircut um, is pretty bad too. I think Tripp's haircut makes yeah. him look like he's dying of cancer for some reason. Like he just has this. He like, might be. He just has this like pall over. It's like they just uh, they took like talcum powder and just flung it at people, and that's mm-hmm. what they ended up with their costuming. Like the old cartoon joke where someone yells for makeup and somebody runs in with a giant pad and slaps <laughs> him in the face. In the face. <laughs> Get that shine off these guys. Mm. I'm done with Twilight. Do you have anything you want to say before we go to patron thoughts? Um. T'Pol looks great in mm. a Starfleet uniform. Yep. And I wish that she just wore the Starfleet uniform because that other thing she wears is ridiculous. Yeah, her tracksuit era. Do you like the tracksuit era better than the uh, urban camo outfit she was wearing in the first two seasons? No. I think I prefer the the look from the first two seasons because that one didn't look as much like she was just wearing... Casual wear. <laughs> p- pajamas yeah, yeah. on the bridge every every day. Yeah. Um, but I thought she, she looked I, good look for her in the in the suit. I wish they would put her in the suit. You know, it's funny what, how they always push against doing this for some reason, but it's always the right move. Like Troy, once they put Troy in the Starfleet uniforms, like, oh, she looks fantastic. Yeah. Why didn't we do that from good. the beginning of the show? Yep. Gives that. Uh, blue, I've got blue two reasons why we didn't do it at the beginning of the show, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, it took Troy six seasons to get that done. Uh, to Paul getting there a little bit faster. What do, um just quickly? I thought this was a bad episode for Joey Blaylock as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't like the performance. I think that yeah. she's. I think her portrayal of a Vulcan is getting a little bit worse. She's pretty emotional all the time now. Well, do you not cut her some slack that it's twelve years in the future? From I, I'm, being I'm a even thinking of when the anomaly hits them at the start. Oh, okay, gotcha. she's gotcha. she's like, "Quick, I get out of here!" It's like it's that kind of stuff, and <laughs> I don't like. I it's very critical. I understand that, but the Vulcan role is is a very difficult role to do mm-hmm. effectively, and I think that when you're directing or coaching the actor, you have to sort of remind them of what their mind state or how they need to portray these events. And because it, when she's in, when she's in danger, it comes through occasionally. And I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the right way to play the character. You, the, the emotion, obviously, as we said in the past comes through the subtle stuff that she does much better in the time jump in the future than Mm -hmm. anything else. You know, I was just thinking 
does this episode improve, you know, the, the kind of the joke or the uh, sliding doors of situation of this episode is um, she says at the end, oh, if if it was two seconds earlier, I would have been the one caught under the thing or whatever. And the anomaly would have blasted me. Does this episode get better if T'Pol is the one who gets the brain amoebas and she's the one who gets mementoed 12 years into the future? So just kind of flip the situation. Mm -hmm. So it's like Archer is now living on SETI Alpha 5, uh, I guess before it turned into a dust planet. Or is, or is that SETI Alpha 6? Is SETI uh, Alpha 6 the dust planet? I can't, that, that's beyond me. I think the patrons comment on that what's going was on. That SETI Alpha 6. <laughs> SETI Alpha 6. They're, they're cursed. I think they're damned either way because they're settling on the wrong planet at the end of this episode and mm. in the future. Um, but uh, but to, like, yeah, to your question. You, you know what I mean though? Does it, Well, do you think it, it adds something to it or lets you get into maybe the way the crew feels about T'Pol or something where if she 12 years in the future, Earth has been destroyed, Archer is now the caretaker for T'Pol and what does that mean for everybody involved kind of thing? My, the thing that instantly popped into my head when you said that is that the way I visualize this is that after this accident, T'Pol's condition worsens, right? Archer takes T'Pol off the Enterprise. He basically abandons the mission or something. Mm. He decides that he has to take care of her because he feels responsible for what happened to her. And so he takes care of her. The Zindi achieve their goal because Archer possibly stopped his mission. He, he stepped down and another sure. captain took over or something. So Archer in the future is torn about whether he's responsible for what happened to Earth. Because if he had continued on that path, would he have been able to do something different? But he would it would have meant abandoning to Paul at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what the episode's missing, I think, honestly. Right. It's yeah. like that kind of like reflection on whether or not the choices that they made was the right thing to do. So I do maybe yeah. It would have to work out in the way that I said it, but I think that there's more there if Archer is put in the position of he's the one thinking about what the conflict is there. Like yeah. he's he's the one responsible for the um the the um, the like the uh, emotion not the emotional, the ethical conundrum that he's right. that the episode is focusing on. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Is no the 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 place that they are in is not due to anybody making decisions again, except to Paul, apparently not being a great captain. Right. <clears throat> Although I have to say that was a pretty rad move when she just flew <laughs> the ship and into the other ship. That would look good to me. She got the ship um, in a headlock and just threw it off the turnpike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tornado DDT into the other guy. Um, like it, there's no, like that's, that is what's missing. The, the point that they're at is, is not due to any decisions that anybody has made. And so there's nothing to reflect on. Yeah. And there's nothing other than the fact that it sucks in the future. There's nothing really driving the narrative of, man, if only we could go back and change the future. Yeah. All right. Let's call it there. We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back, read some Patriot thoughts. Interesting. Interesting to know, though. We are also, once again, removed. We are no longer in the prime timeline. Yeah. Because the prime timeline is the amoeba timeline. Mm-hmm. They just killed the amoebas, which sent everybody back in time and started a new timeline. Uh, very much a, um, well, maybe it's not Back to the Future. The photograph thing made me think of Back to the Future, just like the amoebas are gone in every single picture I ever right. took of these yes. amoebas. Uh, we'll read some That's, So you need to get the amoebas' parents back together. 
<laughs> we'll take a break, play a clip from the episode, patron thoughts, and then we'll wrap up Twilight. What's the problem? Your engineers won't let us continue with the captain's treatment. Those were my orders. Look, I'd do anything to help the captain, but we've got bigger problems at the moment. This may be the only solution to your problems, Captain. Destroying these parasites is most likely the key to saving humanity and Earth. Earth's gone. This image was taken a few minutes ago. You can see the region where I eradicated the first cluster of parasites. It's gone in this image as well. Doc. This scan was taken over 12 years ago. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month, you got extra podcasts. We covered Predator recently. We have the uh, Friday the 13th series, which Clay and Amanda are running through. You're up to number four this month, uh, or maybe last month, depending on when this, is, this comes out. It's the last one, final chapter. Final chapter, part four, comes out in April. This might be out in May, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. The last one in the middle of 12. That's right. The... <laughs> the final middle part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a special thank you to all of our supporters. But a special thank you goes out to the Captain Tier supporters. We're very close to Voyager, too, as, as well at this point. Disturbingly close to yeah, Voyager. Yeah, disturbingly yes. close to Voyager. So when, once you get to that goal, if we stay over that goal for the Voyager thing, we'll be covering Voyager. Move, move those goalposts <laughs> down two more years to make sure we milk every dollar we can before we start doing Voyager. I have another child due tomorrow. <laughs> Which yeah. will extend, <laughs> extend the amount of time it takes for this to happen. Uh, all these new shows, man. I, I mean, know. we're going to have to really stretch out Enterprise, I Discovery think. Discovery and Lower Decks are this year. This year. Yeah. I wonder, do you think they're going to be running at the same time? No, they're one after the other. Okay. They're doing the Marvel thing where they're just It's just that sure they know, they, know they need to get that subscriber staying uh, yeah. with them. Yeah, It's such a fascinating new world we live in as far as that stuff goes. Yeah. Just the the the, uh, the financials related with just basically having one show and then a bunch of other things that people maybe watch while while they're yeah. waiting for the other stuff. All right, so thank you guys. If we get to that goal on Voyager, we'll do every single Voyager episode uh, once we hit that amount and stick to it. I had to be clear. Clay scared me now with the thing. He was worrying, uh, worrying that people think that once we just get to it and everyone abandons, we're like obligated to cover Voyager, which is not the case. So once once we pass the 900 barrier, it's not like everyone can unsubscribe and the Voyager will just continue. So, uh, so we appreciate the support, but I wanted to be clear. If you if you're if you wanted to be smart, you'd save your money for another year and a half until you don't do, don't do that. Don't do that either. Just you <laughs> oh know. no, I don't want you to do that. I'm just saying, you could <laughs> you never know what could happen? Um, patrons, special thank you: Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Andrew Chillog, Matthew Ross, Samuel Custer, Matt Cutler, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, Nick Sergi, Sean Grim Santo, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Darth Mosk. Vault 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elledge, Rune Vendler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jake123, Point XG, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Nick the Rat, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchon, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, Patrick Seba, Grappler, John Zorn, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Zane Majors, Soylent Blue, Woodrow, Dave Davies, Retail, Worf, Tiny Brown Dix, Olivier Pardieu, Tom Hickey, Matt Houston, and Captain McMunchausen. Oh my God, there's another tab now at this point. James McLennan, Jose Hunter's EWNF Remixes, Will Clay, Mark C, Bella, and Loke. Loki. I have not seen that episode in a long time. I apologize, guys. I think it's Bell and Bella and Loke. Loki? Loke? Thank you very much. They had some excellent Discord humor when they joined, too. <laughs> uh, let's go. Patron thoughts. There's a lot of them, so I'm going to read these. We'll have uh, thoughts after maybe a couple of each of them. Russell Elledge says, 
Great cold open. Great sci-fi premise. Nice character work. Good special effects. I love this episode. Five SETI Alpha 5s out of five. Good pun. Jakey's Gamer says, hey, cause and effect, I'll see your enterprise blowing up in the cold open and raise you an entire planet Earth. Bad wigs and conspicuous absence of Travis aside, this is possibly my favorite Enterprise episode. Sure, they hit the reset button, but the mechanics they used to get there are unique. The stakes and the tension within the episode itself are high and effective. The acting is good for the most part, and it's a nice way to look at the possible ending for the Zindi arc this early in the season. It's also morbidly humorous to know that if the human colony did survive, it would be short-lived since SETI Alpha 6 isn't long for this world a universe i guess in this case five out of five wait but they're on steady alpha five they're on or is the, oh wait is the destruction of steady alpha six cause steady alpha five to turn into the dust planet is that the deal i think so yes ah gotcha uh did I skip one? No. Matt Ross says, another good story and disturbing opening of a failed Zindi mission led by T'Pol, the director by Robert Duncan McNeil, I thought was pretty tight, and I bet his Voyager experience helps in directing Trek. Humans in this world can't get a break as they're heading to SETI Alpha 5. We're all confused. They're going to the SETI Alpha planet. Very dark and sad episode that had me on the edge of the seat mourning the loss of the crew and wondering if they restored the timeline even though I haven't seen, even though I have seen it many a time. A nice touch, Archer killing the Zindi with Cochrane's statue. That was... Oh, I didn't even realize that's what it was. Yeah, yeah I didn't okay. realize it was the statue, but um, that was a weird scene to me. Mm, it was yeah. extremely violent in a way that I thought it was saying something about Archer. Right. You know? Yeah, it and just it, it never comes up. It never again. comes up like again. The, it's just he kills the guy, and then that whole sequence is just sort of over. Yeah, that that was that was weird. I have nothing else to say about it, but I I thought they were saying also. That, he just becomes a murderer in his time for God. He becomes the memento guy basically. And is like, starts tattooing his body about Zindi species that he's going to go as a kill. Also, how would T'Pol be able to tell him that through flashback? She didn't see that happen. It's true. And he <laughs> forgot about it five minutes later. <laughs> That's why I was thinking, uh, maybe this is too much like memento, but I wonder if, if you get more mileage out of this idea, if it's, uh, Archer writing himself m- memory notes. Yeah. I mean, that's literally just memento. Or yeah. I mean, I guess, the, I guess the notebook is similar to that probably too. Oh, is it? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I, I assume, Well, there's a notebook in the title, so I assume it plays into the uh, yes. into how people remember what's happening <laughs> in the past. But um, yeah, I, I wonder if that way there's a little bit of, uh, yeah, no, nah, that's too much like memento. It, it is movie. aping memento, which is a very hard yeah. thing to do in an episode like this, but I... I guess I'm just punishing the episode because the memento concept is so cool that right. this is like a a C D like a D minus version of the memento thing where there's no there's no ramifications for Archer besides the fact that he can't do his job anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. Memento's a good movie. Memento might be my favorite Nolan movie, I think, out of all of them. Yeah. It's, it's one with um, the most to say, I think, about like a, a person. Yeah, I think it's definitely it's hard not to say it's his best movie mm-hmm. honestly because as awesome as the other ones that he's done have been i i always find him to be kind of cold generally yeah and memento oddly enough i feel is like the like you said the most human of yeah. the movies that he's made yeah as well as I, I saw that i saw that I must have saw that like five times in the theater I just I remember going to school after watching that and just endlessly dissecting with people at the lunch table about what the timeline was in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I will say, however, fuck that DVD. 
Which one was the special, DVD? The special edition DVD was like in the heyday of the early days of DVD technology where they all these DVDs built different kinds of Easter eggs and shit into their menu screen. Yeah. <laughs> and the Memento special edition DVD, you had to like literally solve riddles to get to the fucking menu. <laughs> so you couldn't even play the movie unless you figured out how to solve the Memento puzzle that they put in front of you. And it's like, I just... Listen, that's fun like the first time, yep. but I just want to watch the goddamn movie. Yeah, uh, Chris Nolan and Jonathan Blow, the game developer, should get together. They're, they, they're two peas of a pod in that way, I think. Uh, Other side of things that actually kind of bugs me, you know, David Lynch doesn't allow chapters on his DVDs because mm. he, he doesn't want you to keep starting and stopping the movie. So if you're watching a David Lynch movie on DVD, I, I think for the most part, if you hit chapter next, it just jumps to the end of the movie and then brings <laughs> you back to the It gets to the, the first spoiler and just uh, spoiler away. I, I'm surprised he has the uh, the cap- capability of doing that to sort of, I guess he would. There's no reason not to, but. I know. Well, I guess I should be more specific. <laughs> Mulholland Drive specifically does not does, allow does not me allow to do it that. To happen. Yeah, yeah I, I know that I have a racer head and I haven't tried it. No, because they do it on. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me is the same way. You do, mm. There's no chapter selection. So it is. if he has the, the pull, he, he makes sure that happens. Nick the Rat says, I enjoyed this episode once again another time. Next one. That is the end of someone's comment. Royo says, the combination of Christopher Nolan's Memento and Voyager's Year of Hell creates a very memorable Enterprise episode, only I don't remember Voyager being so sexist. Hoshi never got promoted in 12 years and we're told that DePaul's captaincy is a disaster, only when never shown why. Triple, Triple viciously condemn her decisions, undermines her authority in front of the crew, but also never offers any alternative suggestions to resolve the crisis. Not only does Trip have poor leadership skills, he's unprofessional, he's also extremely incompetent. As not two episodes from now in similitude, his bright ideas will blow up the engine and cause himself to become severely brain damaged to the point of needing a brain transplant, and yet somehow we're all supposed to believe that he will be promoted to captain of the Enterprise. And the writers weren't finished punishing T'Pol as she will be killed instantly by a shot to the shoulder despite being three times as strong as a human, while straight white male Archer will be able to withstand multiple phasers to save the day a reluctant four out of five hoshi she had two pips is that not like that's what is she now she's she's an ensign now she's a lieutenant i guess at that point yeah yeah i don't know maybe she has been promoted you notice stuff like that i don't i never notice what their i noticed her hair it was like her hair is long i don't know well they they don't talk about it like they don't talk about what her thing so i'm looking at her to see what's different and i Uh, saw that the rank but they never call out what her rank is yeah yeah just uh reads a captain there's five different captains on the enterprise at that point mm-hmm. I, really i like really missed an opportunity to have some uh, new alternate universe uniforms i'm kind of bummed they didn't do it but yeah yeah that cost that cost money i um i like trip in this episode i they haven't really focused on it but i like trip's general anger as being mm-hmm. something that's carrying this forward um I don't have much else to say about that, but he's to me, Connor Trenier is better at playing that kind of simmering anger than Archer than Bakula is as Archer. Yeah. And so I prefer it when I see it from him. And I found I, I thought I did, I guess I disagree with Rayo. I found Trip to be appropriate in this one because these guys have gotten mm-hmm. nothing but bad news for a long time. And he's rightfully saucy, I guess, with, with her. And I mean that's where this episode fails. Because one of the things that they do that I think does work is that Trip is 
reacting to his anger towards the Zindi uh, over anything else. So when he chews out to Paul, it's because he's pissed off because of what happened in that situation because they didn't manage to... That situation involves him being angry about the situation with the Zindi. Later on, it comes down to we either got to fight these guys or reroute the power to whatever yeah. so we can inverse the fluctuation explosion or some shit yeah. to fix Archer's brain. And he chooses to go fight, and it ends up getting everybody killed. Yeah. However, that doesn't mean anything if nobody remembers that in the past. So, like, Archer can't go, hey, Trip, don't ask me why, but uh, chill out. <laughs> you know, like, nobody yeah. can do that because right. it's it's not presenting a uh, actionable element. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, he's angry and he stays angry and he eventually dies angry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. The um nothing's going to change. We didn't talk about it, but I thought it was very funny <laughs> that in order to reset the timeline, Archer just has to die in a very specific way. You know, like he can't just like kill right. he can't shoot himself in the head and reset the timeline. He has to he has to do some kind of thing to the engine that causes the ship to explode, but that's the thing that will propel him into his own yeah, timeline. Yeah, it's like a subspace yeah. implosion or yeah. something. Because, yeah, my girlfriend said, if he just dies, won't the things just die? It's Can't the inception problem. Die? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I... I expected when Paul starts talking about that, I'm like, oh, she's got to like hook him up to the machine or something. There has to be some kind of like technical solution, but no, she just blows up the ship and that's that's the end of it. Cerulio says, I love how fucked the humans are in the alternate timeline. Not only did the Zindi destroy Earth and all the colonies, but the only one colony they don't get is Seti Alpha 5, where Khan was marooned. After Seti Alpha 6 explodes, the space Irish's son kills them and the cloners run out of the people to clone. The Masters of Peace Society die where the stellar fragment flies by. There's only going to be a few hundred thousand left in the Delta Quadrant. I'd actually prefer to for humanity to be entirely destroyed by the Zindi instead of saved by Voyager's terrible writing. Then we would get a movie where Khan gets woken up and is a John Wick-style anti-hero as he violently avenges the presumed extinction of humanity four to five because i like a what if story that's true i didn't think about that because yeah if you blow up earth in this timeline it erases everything that comes after it except con mm -hmm. because that happened in like 1997 yep. <laughs> <laughs> Lots the star trek version of 50 first dates i don't buy it to paul falling in love with archer every time the writers try to give them chemistry it falls flats falls flat they also continue sidelining Mayweather by killing him off for no good reason. Three parasites out of five. Vault Thirteen Hero says, "I don't, uh, I don't, th I don't think this is what Berman had in mind when he pitched Think TNG's Tapestry, but I want to Paul to be in at least three different outfits." I used to think you guys were too hard on Bacula, but man, he can only portray confusion, anger, and of course, confused anger. Sad to see <laughs> a reality when Flox really lets himself go. Hoshi's hair saves this from being a one. Two Malcolm goatees out of five. That's the most negative review so far from Vault yeah. 13 Hero. Flox really does look like he's been going to a lot of fog hat concerts. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a fishbowl full of keys on his uh, sick bay <laughs> entrance. Boy Next to G says, I'm a sucker for what the hell is going on uh, for, for the what the hell is going on opening. Although the new jazzy theme remix makes for a bizarre juxtaposition. It's after so Earth's. funny. It's, it's getting worse with every single episode. Every yeah. single one is getting worse and worse. It's becoming like it almost seems like they're acknowledging the fact yeah. of how ridiculous it is. 
I don't want high concept Trek like this for every episode, but this one is an extremely solid take on the episode that never happened trope. It's entertaining as heck during the whole storyline completely on its own, but it also ties into the Zindi storyline better than many of the episodes this season. Zeddy Alpha 5 would not be a good place to be hanging out in another 120 years. Watch out for the eels. The show continues the sick joke of finding new and even more absurd ways to eliminate Travis Mayweather from the story each week. There must seriously be some kind of explanation for this. Captain Brazen says, I originally saw this episode air and thinking, damn, Earth's destroyed. Roll credits. I enjoy parallel universes, alternate timelines, and dark foreboding futures in sci-fi, whether they be great or terrible. But this alternative future is a hodgepodge of all the best sucky futures for the human race compiled for our enjoyment. The slight homage to Battlestar Galactica with the Enterprise being one of the last Starfleet vessels guarding a civilian convoy was great. And seeing the crew's torn, ripped uniforms made me think of what Voyager could have been aesthetically-wise. Praise aside, Bacula reacting to humans becoming extinct as if he's passing a kidney stone wouldn't have been my first choice. But when on the Doom Study Alpha 5, I guess act like you have an eel coming out of an orifice, any orifice. The final scene of T'Pol still being a wet nurse played for laughs doesn't work for me and brings down the overall episode. A high three mishandling a dead Mayweather and giving Captain Pineapple himself a ship out of five. It does. It is uh, not quite as bad as... Uh, Do you ever see that clip of Ryan O'Neill? It's like support like yeah, the worst he's reading acting, the letter. line reading. Oh God. Oh God, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. The, I think that movie got did that movie get good reviews or something? I I I, was, I don't even know what movie it's from. It's from a movie where I, I was I think I was shocked if I'm remembering right that I was shocked to learn that the movie was not considered to be bad, even though the only thing I know from that movie is that scene, and I assumed it mm-hmm. the, must have been the, the worst movie that's ever been made. But yeah, it's, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for the rest <laughs> of the movie. Um, he took that day off. Eric, what did you think about the ending with T'Pol and Archer in the pillow? Um, I don't know why he couldn't have reached over to get that shit himself. Yeah. It's a strange it place a, to keep a pillow, was what I was thinking. That's, that's a strange little <clears throat> box to keep your pillows in. Yeah, at, at first, because my girlfriend said the same thing. She's like, why did, did she need her to do that? Yeah. And then I was like, well, it's in a weird box. You don't, you're don't, you not going to think that the pillows are in the box. She spends a lot of time there because she works with flocks every now and so she knows where everything is. But the light switch, come on. That was like right next to his head. He doesn't need her to do that. Yeah, it's. I don't know Brazen, if the Brazen implication... Says it, Bra- Kevin Brazen just says it, it <clears throat> took down the episode for him, that ending sequence. It's kind of, yeah, it's, I don't know, because it's, it's, it's playing back on the idea that she was his caretaker in the future, yeah. but again, it's just doing it because it's cute. It's not doing it because it's referencing or means anything, so it just kind of comes off as Archie being a dickhead. Yeah, I find it a little bit confusing, so I don't want to undo everything that we talked about previously. We're sure that Archer does not remember what's going on in uh, that he has no memory of this but I, because the only way that makes sense to me is if he does remember and he's kind of teasing her without her knowing about what's going on right but if that's the case i don't understand why he would tease her instead of tell her it's the kind of episode that goes on like to paul i need to talk to you about what our future like it just seems like it's too casual of an ending if you want to say that he remembers anything about it. Yeah, I I don't think there's any implication that anybody remembers. I, I was waiting for it, yeah, but it never came. Yeah. So if he does remember, yeah, he's just kind of being a dick about it. 
but at least he's got some respect for the the flow of space time that he doesn't just tell her all about the future and put all put all his money on the cubbies. Yeah, yeah. Eric McGowan says, this is my favorite episode from season three. I think this is an episodic story done right for the series, even if it does suffer from many of the same things every Enterprise episode suffers from. It's both sad and hilarious how much the writers must hate Travis. He dies and doesn't even get to partake in the alternate reality with the rest of the cast. Five out of five. And then we have a couple more here. Calbert says, once you see old man makeup, you know you're in for a good episode of Star Trek. Twilight feels like a mashup of a bunch of previous great Trek episodes with a sprinkling of Battlestar Galactica airing just a month before Ronald D. Moore's reboot. I have issues like Mayweather's hilariously ignored death and Archer being the messianic figure who can save humanity. But come on, this is good shit. Great action, great pace, great alternate reality shenanigans, terrible wigs, and good insight into T'Pol, whose arc continues to be one of the best things about the show. Despite the reset button, we, the audience, have a better understanding of where T'Pol stands, although that final scene was a step too far and she should be in every uniform every episode in uniform every episode five dramatic tonal shifts from earth's destruction to the opening credits out of five so kyle says it's a reset button as opposed to what well the reset button to me implies it's a hard reset like it, it everything goes back to as if nothing had ever happened right yeah what which is what you were saying that yes yeah, yeah 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 um, I don't. Do you agree that it gives you insight into Paul? Because I don't really think that it does. I don't think it does really. I just out, not anything outside of what I said, which is that her growth as a human is that led her to bond with Archer in this way. Which mm-hmm. I don't find it particularly insightful. I would agree that it's character development for her, but I don't. Honestly, at this point in the series, if she had not done it, it would have been more surprising to me than her doing it. You know, like I I don't see it a great leap for her character at this point. Sure, sure. A couple more here. Oh, maybe only two more or so. Cardinal Doomsday says, or it might be necessary to destroy the ship in order to reset the timeline. Archer loses his short-term memory due to an anomaly. Earth is destroyed by the Zindi. Twelve years later, Archer, who's being looked after by T'Pol, finally reunites with the remaining Enterprise crew so Phlox can erase the parasites, causing Archer's memory loss, which erases the destruction of Earth. Who'd have thunk it? In this alternate timeline, Travis is killed in battle, proving the writers have no idea what to do with him, and everyone rises in rank to captain except for Hoshi. Enterprise's answer to Harry Kim... If the remnants of humanity are living on SETI Alpha 5, why have they not been devoured by the eels from Wrath of Khan? I particularly enjoyed the fight in engineering. Four evolved relationships out of five. And then we have two more. I apologize. Uh, not, not for the comments, just for miscounting. Eric Stanchuan says, I suppose this is Enterprise's answer to yesterday's Enterprise. I suppose this is Enterprise's answer to yesterday's Enterprise or The Visitor, or even All Good Things. Of course, it's not as good as those episodes, but by the standards of this show, I have to concede that it's a fucking masterpiece. It's well-written, has good acting by all, especially Bakula, wearing Gary Graham's wig, and Connor Trenier successfully auditioning for George W. Bush's role in that Tom Cruise movie that I haven't seen. Anyway, this is really a pretty great episode. It's another example of the standalone adventure functioning within a larger arc, and one of those that you can put on for someone who's never seen the show as an example of how good it can be. Groppler John Zorn, final comment. An enjoyable watch that doesn't bear the scrutiny of repeated viewings. This ranks as my number one most overrated episode of Enterprise. The two biggest gripes are, <laughs> one, 12 years is a long time for anyone to give exposition over breakfast. While the writing works yeah. for the first couple watches, it doesn't ring true after a certain point. Two, Bakula and Blaylock do not have the chemistry to support that... Uh, to support even hints that their relationship has progressed. Night in Sick Bay was the worst, but this device has all the charm of go on to Paul, honey, kiss your uncle on the lips. 
On the other hand, Steampunk's Death Star blowing up Earth is Trek's best effects sequence up until 2009. Still, tell me this couldn't have been a better episode if Shirtless Archer showed up on the bridge, covered in upside-down tattoos, and Flox was using him to murder his ex-husbands. This is SETI Alpha 3 of 5. That's That kind of brings up a good point. If uh, <clears throat> If your house got hit by a spatial anomaly and Amy lost her ability to create short-term memories and 12 years went by and then she woke up one day and she's like oh my god what happened Mm. how much editing would you think you would do keep in mind you've probably done this 50 to 100 times a year yeah (laughs) um i wonder if you would just basically start to handle it like uh, my grandmother died of dementia and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and I was always struck by how much I was younger when it happened. I was always struck by how much her children, who are my mother and aunts, would fight her delusions, and mm. like they'd always correct her about stuff, and they'd mm. always say like, "No, you're getting the names wrong. You're doing this. You're doing that." It led me to wonder, like. Once a person gets to that stage with it, is it easier just to like roll with what they're thinking? Right. You know, I don't know what that does to the person with the disease. I don't know how, how they would react to it. I don't know if that's like a pandering or something or if they would have a sense of what's going on. But I imagine it would kind of be like that with Amy. It would be like I would probably just come up with a better story that would take, you know, half the time or like a tenth of the time to explain to her what happened. As opposed to telling her the truth over the course of 12 years over and over again. So you don't remember this, but Alistair was born as a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> He's yeah, a huge, I, I saw, huge baby. Yeah, like, uh, never mind. Um, I saw a thing on Twitter talking about that, actually, f- I th- where it was, I think it was a, a photograph of something from uh, from Tumblr, where someone said to the effect in a much more like, idealistic and and flowers sort of way people who have alzheimer's are and and fall back to this memory state don't fight it because it's the place that they feel most comfortable and all kind of all that kind of stuff sure. there's a few people who are like yes 100 percent. but then there was a bunch of other people who are like i understand what you're saying however when my grandmother had alzheimer's she would flash back to when uh she was running from the cops because they didn't have any money in the 30s or something you know like yeah she grew up in the dust bowl it's not the best time for her to be reliving so is it really really doing if she if if your loved one flashes back to to think that they are in like a pow camp right do you just start acting like the the warden of the pow <laughs> camp just hit her in the teeth like, with the butt of my gun yeah you know you you pull out your pistol with the one bullet in it and start taking bets like in deer hunter yeah yeah no, it's tough. I don't know if that's going to make him feel better, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'm just uh, yeah. Personally, she was just uh, it was more of a. It's like name confusions or like sure. per- interpersonal relationships where she'd be like, "Oh, that's the son of so and so," and people would go like, "No, that's actually the son of this person." It's like mm-hmm. we're just wasting a lot of time correcting her about it. like, is, right, is this right. is this really relevant to anything? And I think you yeah. I think it's just a desperation on the sense on the part of the kids to try to bring things back when that's oh, totally. clearly yeah. that they're they're not yeah. going to go back. I'm sure that there's some middle ground where it's like 
you obviously, I guess I should say middle ground in that it's case by case. Where yeah. obviously, if 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 the stuff that they're they're flashing back to is horrible, you probably want to try and comfort them and convince them that's not the case. But I'm sure there are some things if it's less damaging, yeah, just that to you roll can kind of roll with a little bit, you know. Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts. This has been a long episode, but there were a lot of comments, which I appreciate. Overwhelmingly positive for the episode, I would say, from our patrons. A lot of fives. Mm-hmm. What say you? What are you going to give this on our scale of one to five? Um, honestly, I think I'm going to give it a four. For as much as many problems as I do have with it, it, it did keep my attention. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a. It felt very much like a Star Trek episode in yeah. in ways that a lot of the other ones don't. Yeah, I would. I'd agree uh, even, with that hundred percent. Yeah, I would say it's the same. The same feeling I got as the Harry Mudd episode of Discovery that was just cause and effect again, where we were like, "This is great." It's like, yeah, it's because it's a formula that's been yeah, used on the we, show we many know times. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's it works and it's good for this show. It's it doesn't mean that the show is learning anything, right? But it's just, but it has in this one instance provided a a, a good episode. So I I, w- I think it's four more for enjoyment. Probably it's I I agree that it probably does not hold up if you went back and watched it again. It's probably like oh yeah, this is pretty silly. Um, but yeah, I think it works. So I I and it's one of the more fun episodes I've watched recently. So I'm gonna give it a four. I'm going to give it a three, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the rare episode where my cutoff, my difference between a three and a four is that a four is one that I would consider showing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that thinking about this episode has made me understand that it's a three because I'd, if I were to show this to Amy and saying like this is this is an episode of Enterprise she should see. I think when it was over, she'd say, why did I have to watch that episode, really? Like, it's mm-hmm. a, I don't think that there's, in a way that um, she was personally moved by, like, the visitor and stuff, which I showed her out of the blue, because I think that that works on its own level. I just don't think that this one is affecting enough. That's fair. And yeah. that's it. I would, I would put it on... I would put it on a list and say it's not a must see, but it's like a, a second tier. Yeah, where it's like after you've seen the must sees, watch this one because it's a good time. Yep, you know. I agree. Thank you, patrons. We've run long. We'll cut it off here. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back with the next episode, which I think is it's like North Star. I think is the North one. Next one, it is North Star. Thanks again, uh, Clay. Do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, no, uh, I don't know what week we're in, but we're check well out in the Rotten future. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Check out Rotten Horror Picture Show. Hopefully, if I mean, if I have a brain in me, but maybe I can go back and adjust what episodes we're covering for Rotten Horror Picture Show. But uh, uh, at this point, if Badass isn't back, we're very close to coming back. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks to everyone who's been checking out the Friday the 13th coverage. We're having fun doing that. Cool. Guys, thanks very much. Support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. And that's it. We'll see you.